my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, lovely ladies. Welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I'm sending you all the love, all the sunshine, all the positivity on this wonderful day that you are here and alive with the opportunity to thrive and have all the things that you want and desire because you deserve it. It's your birthright. You came into this world worthy and hopefully this podcast helps you get closer to that start point. You have nothing that you need to rebuild or construct. You came in worthy and what we're doing is unlearning all of the narratives, all the lies, all the things that have been put onto you that have never belonged to you. So welcome. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Attention to all my proud plant parents. It is time to give all of your plant babies the best nutrition you can, starting from the bottom up. And that starts with the best soil to help them grow happy, nourished, and strong. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that is approved for organic growing and has been sourced from ocean waters and farms for over 28 years. With a full range of products that support every garden and lawn, Coast of Maine products are made to restore roots to the natural world. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, by adding Coastal Maine products, it will help regenerate the healthy microbes in your soil and set you up for gardening success. And if you have a vegetable garden, not only do you benefit via an abundant harvest, but find that there is less need to maintain and feed throughout your season. Coastal Maine continually perfects the art and science of sourcing, mixing, and composting products worthy of the people and place that inspired their brand and the healthier world it was built to serve. Coastal Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers. The products are carried by tons of local retail partners who can provide advice and insight that is not found in the big box stores. Costa Maine knows from beginner to expert, anyone who takes a hand to the land has something to offer the growing community for gardeners everywhere, which is why I love how they make organic gardening simple and approachable for everyone. So let's get growing. Visit costamaine.com to find a local retailer near you. Coast of Maine, like the state with an E.com. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. With the crazy heat waves we are experiencing this summer, especially here in Texas, it can be hard to stay fresh while you're out and about. And that's why I've incorporated the Honey Pot's foaming wash and wipes into my daily routine. The Cucumber Aloe Honey Pot wipes provide a quick refresh when I leave a day of errands and head to a girl's night with friends. If you're heading to an outdoor concert or festival, the Honey Pot wipes are a must to keep you fresh between the fun. Both the foaming wash and wipes are plant-derived, backed by science, dermatologist-approved, gynecologist approved and hypoallergenic get 25% off your first order from the honeypot.co slash summer that's 
T-H-E-H-O-N-E-Y-P-O-T dot C-O slash summer to get 25% off your first order and join the hive today. Today's podcast, we are talking about the black mother wound. If you are not new to this podcast, you have heard me talk often about the impact of mother wound trauma in our attachment styles, in our intimacy disorders, in our love addiction, our love avoidance, and all of that. And it is not because wounds from other family members or other different important figures in our life do not matter, but it is because our mother relationship is our first relationship. And I'm taking away from, I'm taking this from something that our guest today, who was so great. I can't wait for you to hear from her. Um, This is something she shared near the end of our talk, which is our mother relationship is our first relationship, right? Um, So even if we have a disconnection from our mother, whether or not we were raised by grandparents or we had to go into the foster care or adoption system, or if she passed away, our connection to our mother is the first human relationship that we know of. And it really sets the stage for how we show up in the world, how we attach to other people, how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about others, how we feel about women, how we feel about women who look like our mothers, um, who talk like our mothers, um, and all of the things that go along with that. So that is why we focus on our mother wound trauma so often in so many places and so much literature. If you look up on Amazon, you will see a lot of books about mother trauma, um, mother wound trauma in all different facets and not as many about father wounds. And um, that is the reason that I believe that that is. So I actually had in, in, in my plans to have a mama month. Mother's Day is coming up and I wanted to have a different episode every week that talked about different aspects of healing our relationships with motherhood, with um, our connection to our mothers, for those of us who are mothers with our children, um, for those of us who want to be mothers and have not been able to become mothers, either because we have been single for a long time and we're wondering if we can um, give birth biologically or we have tried to give birth biologically and we have battle with infertility. There are so many things that come up with Mother's Day that um, just runs the gamut for so many of us. So I wanted to have um, a set period of time that I try to touch as many of the issues that I could that are, of course, still underneath my umbrella um, of working through trauma and healing our attachment and relationships to ourselves and other people. But as I, even as I was planning the calendar, y'all, I was like, this is a lot of feelings. <laughs> These are a lot of emotions. There are a lot of things that can come up and I am not trying to send y'all into overdrive. Um, even those of y'all who have amazing therapists, I'm like, let's not bunch all of this together. So I'm starting early. I'm starting with this episode. We're going to sprinkle in some other ones about self-care, about self-love, about dating, about relationships, and then there'll be another mother one. And then there'll be another mother one um, until I finish the different topics that I have in mind. So we're starting in April. 
Um, is this going to come out in April? No, this is coming out in March. <laughs> We're starting in March and we may finish by the end of May. There might be one more in June. We'll see um, how I feel um, um, about the topics and how far they need to span out. But I just want you to know that I'm going to attempt to cover motherhood for, for all of us, um, including those of us who are reluctantly mothers, I'm really trying to find a special guest to talk about that because I do know that that is also the experience of many women, many women who are mothers but did not want to be mothers. And they were told that once you have kids, then everything will change. And that has not been your experience. And it's not postpartum depression. It's not, um, it's not that you're a bad mother. You're showing up for your kids. You're loving on them. Um, you are providing for them, but you might be feeling a little bit of resentment. And so I really want to have someone come and speak knowledgeably about that and give support. But in case I didn't, I want to name that here that I want to, I want to honor the fact that that is your experience. I know that there's a lot of shame that a lot of women have when it comes to having these feelings. This is something you cannot say out loud to anybody else because you will be looked at as if you have five heads. Um, people who have their own mother trauma will project their own feelings of abandonment and rejection onto you. And so um, in case in case I cannot have an episode, or I do not have an episode about that, I really want to encourage those of you who that is your experience to find a safe, trusted counselor, counselor, not a coach, not anyone, not anyone who is not trained in trauma and motherhood and all of that stuff to, to help you work through that because there are layers to this and make sure that if you do that, that this person is a safe place, that you feel in your gut that he or she, uh, most likely she is listening to you and holding space for you and not trying to get you to rush through your feelings to feel happy about the state that you're in if that's not where you are right now. So hopefully that's validating for the women who needed it. Hopefully that is that push that will help you go out and get the support or try again if you tried and whatever was given to you didn't really fit. Um, There is help available. You are not alone. And I know that things can and will get better for you with the right amount of support. So without further ado, let's go ahead and jump in today's episode. As I stated a few times, if not more than a few times, we're talking about the black mother wound. There are a lot of different types of mother wounds. And so today's guest, Jennifer Arnise, is going to talk about mother wound trauma that comes as a result of Having a mother, a mother figure who may have been very harsh and critical, emotionally withdrawn or rigid, and she will talk about it more in detail, but that is our focus for today. So let's go ahead and get started. Okay, so today on the podcast, I have Jennifer, our niece with us. Hey, Jennifer. Hi, how are you? I'm doing wonderful. I am so pumped for our episode today, talking about the Black mother wound, talking about mother pain. I know that that is the area that is your expertise, that you shine, and I can't wait for us to get into it. And I'm so happy that you let me be a part of your schedule to share with the Black Girls Hill audience. 
Well, thank you. Thank you for having me on here. I love what you do. I've just been watching you grow and I just think it's awesome. So I'm just so happy to be here. Oh, great. Awesome. Well, can you introduce yourself to the audience for those who are not familiar with you yet? Okay, sure. My name is Jennifer Arnice. I am an author and healing facilitator, and I work specifically with Black women who have um, difficult, challenging, complicated, toxic relationships with their mother. And, and the work I do, um, what we do is we heal the Black mother wound, and we center that around, you know, the stories and experience specifically around the dynamic between um, Black daughters and, and their mothers and, and the things that make it unique outside of just a regular mother wound. Hmm. I have a lot of questions about that already, but the first question is what made you get into this work specifically? I feel like I was always being prepped for this work. Um, I have, um, you know, and I have always had a challenging relationship with my mother. I grew up not feeling like she liked me, you know, and there was just always this thing like, why, why do I feel like the stepchild, you know, and I had, um, I had other brothers and I saw that I was treated differently by her and it was, was just it just never it was just like a thorn and I had normalized it it was just a thing I didn't even know there could be something else and then um about five or six years ago it was was like a veil had been lifted um from in front of my eyes and I was like what the hell has been going on I have not been living my life I'm 40 years old and I have been living her life her version of my life and from that moment, my life changed. You know, things just started to move differently. I started to grow. I started to transform from an adult child, which is what I was, to a real adult woman. And I'm also a sexual assault survivor. And I knew from that experience that the most powerful thing you can do for healing is to share your story because what kept me in so much pain, you know, as a, a rape victim was I was ashamed to tell people because I felt guilty and I felt, you know, just all of these things. And I thought nobody would understand. And as soon as I told my story, I realized that was like the get out of jail free card. So I said, well, if it worked with that, it's got to work with this too. I can't be the only person going through this. And I just started talking um, transparently and with, you know, vulnerability on Instagram and the community just started to organically build around that. And I think I've been on a healing journey for so long. I'm a teacher, I'm a communicator, and I know this isn't something that we're talking about like we should in our community. And it was just a natural progression for me. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I definitely believe that there is freedom in being vulnerable and in sharing your story. So I'm so happy that you, you were bold enough to start to do that because it sounds like you've been able to set a lot of people free and starting with yourself. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm saying that's where it always starts. Mm -hmm. For sure. So you had said something as well in your introduction that um, something to the effect of 
the mother wound between black women and black daughters is different. Can you speak to that a little bit more? Sure. Well, um, the general term of a mother wound is the wound that is created in a mother based off of patriarchy, meaning it's because of her gender, she feels disempowered. And the trauma passes down to her daughter. So if you take the intersection of being a woman and you take being black, you have the intersection and you have the, um, the oppression, not only of being a woman, but you have the oppression of being black. That specific intersection, only black women go through. So you may have a black man goes through racism, a white woman goes through sexism, a black woman goes through both of those things. Mm-hmm. And so systematic racial oppression, slavery has created um, a disempowerment and a trauma in black women that they have passed down to their daughters. So that's what makes the black mother wound and how we're raised a lot of times different than the, the wound a white woman would experience with her mother. Mm-hmm. How have you seen that intersection manifest in, in someone who may have an active unhealed mother wound? What are some things that we may see in our own lives as an adult? Woman? I think what, what I generally focus on is the um, absent, highly critical, strong black woman mother, that archetype. Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. that is how Black women were forced to navigate the world through slavery. Mm-hmm. She, she, there was no room for femininity. There was no room for tenderness, no room for vulnerability. Um, she was physically abused, sexually abused. Her children was, were physically and sexually abused. She was forced to abandon her own children. Um, There was a lack of trust that was able to be established in her life, a lack of boundaries to where there was such a a survival instinct and not just a survival instinct of, I want a nice house, but a survival instinct of, I could die. My daughter could die. My children can die. Having to live with that horror every day hardens a person, Mm -hmm. you know, and so the black mother a lot of times then tends to mother her daughter in a way where your only way to make it in this world is to be hard. No one's going to be there for you. No one um, is going to help you. You can't trust anyone. Um, everybody's going to want to take something from you. Um, your only value is your body. But in that the same time, you're a, a sinner if you use your body. So, you know, you have the colonialism of, you know, Christianity put on, you know, burdening Black women and Black girls at the same time. So a lot of times what you see is the strong Black woman, she's there for everybody else. She won't allow anybody else to be there for herself, for her. She's very hard on herself. She's hypercritical of herself. She's hyper-independent. She usually ends up in, you know, codependent friendships and romantic relationships um, and she is, you know, she thinks nothing she ever does is good enough. Um, and then I started, it was interesting because I thought, I didn't realize this part. I thought this was just me, her own indecisiveness, her 
own inability to start things and finish them because she has so little trust in herself and Mm -hmm. she has so little um, how she values herself has been so diminished based off of her performance and what she can always give people. And so this, a lot of times, you know, about perfection and they say it like it's a great thing is really you have a worthiness issue. You don't feel worthy of love and acceptance just because you are. So you believe you have to constantly perform and, and over-function in your life and in your relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfectionism is definitely one of the running themes in most of us who need to heal our intimacy disorders. And I totally, totally agree with it comes from a, a, um, a distrust of, of you and not knowing of how to value yourself just for your pure existence, um, that you came into this world worthy. Um, and yeah, totally accepting all of the trauma that's been passed down to us by our mothers, by um, society, by culture, by white supremacy, um, and what that means for our place in the world. And our healing is, from what I hear you saying, is so layered, is unlearning the impact of white colonialism and white supremacy, of sexism, and of the impact of what cattle slavery and the trade did to us and how it how it got into our families and how it has commanded how we interact with each other. Is that, is that accurate? Is that yeah, fair? That, yeah, that's absolutely accurate. And then how our, you know, the black culture is set around, you don't challenge your parents because that's mm-hmm. also a part of, you know, keeping your child safe. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you don't question anything I say. So we grow up and obedience is becomes the highest order. And so if you're always obedient and you never learn to think for yourself, you never have autonomy. And so you also learn not to talk about things that go on that might be hurtful or painful, um, which then creates more trauma in us. Mm-hmm. And I also think about the normal, normal normalization of abuse. So just talking about cultural, t- cultural blackness, you know, if we are used to everybody's mama's talking this way or everybody's daddy's doing this, and this is just what it's like as far as like spankings or being cussed out or called out our names or whatever it is, whenever it happens, we're like, oh, well, that is just how we're supposed to be communicated to. So it's not even about us um, want, wanting to rebel, but we think that this isn't behavior that we even need to rebel to, that this is just how we, how it's supposed to be. It is absolutely. And it's almost like... Um what is that syndrome when you have like um, when the, when the, the Hearst girl was kidnapped? Stockholm. Yes. Like you love the abuser. There's a bond that's created there. So that happens with us as well. And when you were talking about, you know, whether we're getting physically punished or we're getting yelled at or cursed at, we don't even really realize the opposite of that, of just the trauma and the abuse when there's no communication when we're just ignored, you know, and, and I think what happens with the, you know, with the black mother, when it's so specific for us is so many of us raised by single black mothers that are exhausted and tired. So the concept becomes my mother gave me everything. She worked three jobs. She never slept. She, you know, depleted herself. And so she provided food, clothing, and shelter. So I can't say anything negatively about her 
her because what we see her, even in that way, how we see the, the black mother, this um, pseudo deity is how she performs, how she gives everything and martyrs herself. And so that also becomes thorns as a woman that you, you know, that's how you get to rise above and be seen as something, not, not realizing you're actually traumatizing yourself and traumatizing your children. You know, I think you answered one of my questions I was going to ask because it, at the beginning you were describing the symptoms of what it might look like to have an unresolved um, mother wound. And you talked about how on one hand you can be very guarded and um, hard for you to trust people and super uber independent. But on the other hand, when you get into relationships, you tend to be very codependent. And when I put together with what you just shared, the reason why you might be codependent is because you've been taught and trained that you overgive, that you save, that you overprovide, and that's your role in relationships. And you never have the ability and the privilege to receive. Absolutely. Yeah. And what, what happens too, this is the crazy part, is so it's like a ball of yarn. If you do get in a situation where someone does want to comfort you, nurture you, support you, be there for you, there is no frame of reference for that. So you don't even know how to receive it. And oftentimes you see that as danger. For me, I was more comfortable with relationships where men did not show up for me emotionally. They were emotionally unavailable. They were curt, sarcastic. They didn't their word. Um, they didn't have, they didn't operate out of, you know, in high integrity. So when I would meet a man who was the opposite of that, I would run from that because it was so scary. Cause I didn't even know how to behave because what do I do now? If I don't have to overfunction, how do I just sit still and be, because I'm used to tap dancing and proving myself. And here I am, I don't have to do that. I would run from those situations. Cause I didn't have, my vessel was so shallow I couldn't even receive it. And I perceived um, safety as danger and dangerous safety. So it totally skews your perspective of where you should go because we love our mother so much. But if we were in a toxic relationship with her, we associate that with love. So people mm. who were healthy for us, who, people who were healthy for me, I, I didn't know how to bond with them because I was just like, this is weird, you know? Mm -hmm. So I, I think, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's so complicated. There's so much to undo and then to relearn. Mm -hmm. So let's jump right into that. How does one start the journey of unlearning all of this? Um, I, I think one of the main places you have to start is by giving yourself permission to feel what you feel. Um, and not feel guilty for um, having feelings of anger and sadness and rage and confusion, but to be honest about those things. Mm -hmm. I think that, that right there frees up so much of your energy because you're spending so much time trying to figure out what's wrong with you you know, and prove yourself to your, to your mother that that exhausts you. So when you can do that, that is at least like you, you are then starting to reparent your inner child because what you're saying is how you feel is real. It's valid. 
The next thing you really have to understand, and a lot of people get stuck in this place is you cannot try to get your mother to understand. This is not about you getting her to see that she is wrong and getting her on board with the healing process. A mother wound indicates a lack of autonomy. You have a, your energetic umbilical cord and sometimes your physical um, financial connection is still there. You may live with her. She might pay your bills, help you take care of your kids, whatever is going on, mm -hmm. but you, you lack autonomy. So this is about healing is about creating your own autonomy. Mm -hmm. You becoming a single standing individual and not just an extension or reflection of your mother. So you have to get out of the mindset that you need to get her to understand because we think that's where the healing will come because all we want is for her to apologize. All we want her to do is say, I'm sorry, you know, that was, that was fucked up what I did. I shouldn't have done that. You're right. I made the wrong decision. You have to realize that most of the, of the time you're not going to get that because she she's not built like that. She, she just doesn't have it. She doesn't have it to give. So you have to let go of that and understand that this healing is about you and the mothering that you want to get from her, you're going to have to give it to yourself. And once you do that, your, your intuition, your inner guidance system, and all of the different wounded stages in you, you all can start to communicate and the healing process is like when you're ready, the teacher will appear. And that's what begins to happen because that's when people find me. And it's like, then you find an usher, someone who can support you and facilitate that process, you know, and you start to, it's really about changing behavior and finding out what are your behaviors that you are, you know, that you're doing that have to change because you have to get out of the concept of change in the past. You're going to have to start to accept that, grieve the mother you never had, grieve the childhood that you never had. And as you start to change your behavior and feel differently about yourself, you will then start to see your past differently. But you've got to get out of that and start to just really begin moving forward at a consistent pace. Mm -hmm. So I am fortunate enough to have a really wide range of women who listen to this podcast of all ages from early 20s, even teenagers to 60s and 70s. And so we're talking a lot about healing for the woman who's the daughter of a mother what about the women who are mothers themselves? And so they have their own healing work with their own trauma that they um, have inherited. But as they're listening to this, they're thinking of all the mistakes they may have made and the shame or the guilt or, or the pain that they may have um, right now. What words would you say to them? Do not treat yourself the way your mother treated you because you're probably beating yourself up saying I did this I did that and and you want your mother to see the case so what you're going to do is overcompensate and you're going to think you're a horrible mother and you're going to think you just totally screwed their lives up and 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 then you then you're going to act like your mother and become hypercritical of your parenting and do not do that 
you have to have compassion with yourself because when you have a child and you do this work, it's such a bonus because you eventually will start to see your mother differently because you will see your own humanity and how you made mistakes and you're just able to fix them in a way that she couldn't. But it really is very, very crucial that you don't beat yourself up because if you do, you are showing your child how they should treat themselves when they mess up. So it's doubly important for me, whether no matter what you're healing, if you are a parent, the number one thing you can do for your child is to heal your own trauma. It is your greatest responsibility because it's not what you say, but it's what they see. So it really, as you do this work, you get to exercise it in your own life, but you really get an opportunity to practice it with your kids because I don't have a daughter, but I have a son and I re- my son is 13 now. And I remember him being maybe five years old and we were at um, a relative's house and I was so busy trying to get the approval of, of the, the people there. And he was being a five-year-old and I remember I lashed out at him for something he mm-hmm. may have been something he shouldn't have been doing, but he was five. It wasn't, you know, he, he wasn't setting a fire, mm-hmm. you know, but I could feel in that way. I had chose the approval of them over advocating for my son. Mm. And I remember when I did it and I remember him saying to me, and he said, it's in front of everybody. You act like you don't like me. Mm. And I was fucked up mm-hmm. because that's exactly how I used to feel when I was with my mother I said exactly I used to feel like how am I so alone in the room with her how 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 is this what is happening and I just had to cut and stop everything and this was really before I was I knew about my mother wound I just knew I was trying to parent differently because my mother was parent and I was but it was ingrained in me and I, I looked at her like she was God. So I wanted to be just like her. Everything she did, I wanted to do it the same way. And so it really takes time. It takes time to undo. And children are so giving and so resilient. And for me, it's really about, I just have conversations with my son now. And when I'm wrong, I apologize. It's like, mm-hmm. you know what? I didn't have to say that like that. You know, you know I was tired this happened. This is how I should have handled it. Handled it. This is how I'll handle it next time. Can we hug it out? And when I do that with him, I could feel how he feels seen and he feels humanized because through cattle slavery. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. 
In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. You have learned to objectify children. We objectify women and then we objectify children in our culture. And we leave them out any humanity and then we wonder why they run the streets acting crazy. But to acknowledge that he is there and he has feelings, that's really what it's about. It's not about being perfect, you know? And it's just about, the, that's why I say this incremental, consistent change in behavior. Because if you've been acting a certain way for 50 years, it's not gonna change overnight. It's like, you, it's like imagine what it takes for a yacht to change direction in the middle of the water. If that yacht tries to make a U-turn, it's gonna flip over. You have to plot, you have to plot out moving, turning slowly and, and making that U-turn and give your space, give yourself the room to make the U-turn and you mm-hmm. cannot do it alone. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. So it's the same way. It takes time, but compassion and gentleness have to become really key, which are it sucks because that's the thing that we we don't we're not we didn't we don't have because we're not we never had the opportunity or never saw the value in that you know mm-hmm. and there's such a fear of rejection for us being tender that is like oh my god it's a lot but it, it really trust me, can be done because I was a hardcore mofo you know and now 
I know how to cry. I know how to tell you how I feel. I know how to apologize. I can feel my triggers and traumas coming up. So, but it is just about being consistent in that uh, behavior change. Mm -hmm. I love everything you just shared. Um, The first thing that just really jumped out at me that I just want to double back to is to not, as an adult woman, parent yourself the same way that you were parented before in hopes of trying to get yourself to be a better mother. Like you get to relearn how to be a mother by starting with how you mother yourself. Absolutely. And it is amazing that the little girl in you is still alive. And when you communicate with her, it is such Mm -hmm. a, it's so loving. Mm -hmm. I think we feel like the love that we want, we only can get it from our mother. That's why we say she should do this. She should be that way. That's why we are so angry because we think she took something from us that we can never get back. And it will just be, anything else will be secondhand. But I'm telling you, it's not. When you start to reparent yourself, it is the most loving relationship. It is so warm. It is so satisfying. It isn't... um, you know, like an afterthought or, or less than original, you know, or second best. It mm-hmm. is, it's so, so good. It's so good. Yeah. Um, I just want to share, this is making me think how this morning, there's something I've been procrastinating about. And like every day is like, oh, I need to get to this, get to this errand. And then today I was like, you know, Sheena, and I'm talking out loud to myself. I'm like, Sheena, you are doing so well. And I'm so proud of you. And you have such a great heart and you want to do good things. And I see how you're trying every day. And I just start soothing and nurturing myself and loving on myself. And Jennifer, just like you're saying that when you get to that place, when you know how to give yourself that love, it feels full and rich. It doesn't feel hokey. It doesn't feel corny. And I remember um, just even thinking in the moment when I noticed I was doing it more lately, I was like, this used to be the stuff that I used to want a man to give me, or I used to want someone else outside of me to give me because I didn't know how to give it to myself. And now it's an easy supply, easy and ample supply. It isn't. And you know what? You become a better partner Mm -hmm. because, you know, I used to think that a man had to fill all the emotional gaps. Mm -hmm. And I used to think was his problem. And I was heavy. I was like the uh, damsel in distress, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm a big girl. So when I put all my weight on you, it's heavy. But Mm -hmm. now, you know, I can see oh, is this something that, am I bleeding on someone right now? If I'm bleeding on someone, I need to go and tend to that. I don't need to bring that necessarily to them. Now, if 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 I want to talk about it, that's one mm-hmm. thing, but a lot of times it's better for me when I can start to work through it myself and I can then have a conversation, you know, with, with my partner, but to realize this isn't their fault. They don't have there because I'm, I'm no longer trying to make my partner my mother because that's who I was doing. I was dating my mother. I don't have to date my mother any anymore because I can mother myself. Right. And along the way, as you do this journey, you learn the difference between vulnerability 
and getting someone to mother you. Because if you don't know the difference, what'll happen is you'll hear the type of feedback that you're, you're giving right now. And you'll say, okay, well, I'll be super independent and I'll make, I won't bleed on anybody. So then you, you don't share anything. And that is not the balance that you're talking about right now. Absolutely. You hit it on the head. You, because, because then you get with someone and it's, and then you want to, you want to vent and really you, you emotionally vomit on your partner and, and your friends, because it's like, well, nobody's there for me. And you want somebody, you give that debt to someone else. And it's really just you and you can work it out when you have poor and you learn you can work it out with yourself and then you can come into a space light and you can come, you can be more balanced. And it is, I, I, I can't even believe I'm even saying that people should do this because I was one of those people that was like, I could never, you know, talk that way to myself in the mirror or, or talk to my inner <laughs> child. Like that is so, it is corny, but that was, I was afraid of rejection even with my own self. I couldn't even open up to myself. So how could I open, ever open up to anybody else? You know, this has just, even though there's so much grief and sadness in the beginning in releasing um, your biological mother, it is so rich relationship with myself. It is just, it's, I, I feel so thankful I wouldn't wish, you know, the relationship I had with my mother on anyone. And at the same time, I wouldn't change a thing because I've just come to know myself so well. And I feel honored to know myself and to be able to have this relationship with me and grow and love me more. I'm just like, damn, I'm the shit. Like I get to know me, <laughs> you know, and, and love me like a damn, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, I, you know, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I love that. I love that so much. So let me ask you this. What's the question about the Black mother wound and healing that I haven't asked you yet that you think is really important for the audience listeners to know? You know, sometimes I wonder if people really believe that they can really be because when this wound is open, you feel like it, nothing can make it better. So it's like, can, do, does it work? Does healing really work for, does the shit work? Mm -hmm. That would be it. Because I'm not going to tell you it's easy, but I will mm -hmm. tell you that it works. It will change every part of your life. It will change your relationship with your kids. It will change the relationship you have with your body. I've become more conscious of my own emotional eating and when those things are true, when I'm feeling fearful, it's like, oh, damn, that's why I'm eating those donuts. I didn't even know, you know, mm -hmm. you, you change the relationship you have with your romantic partners and the people you attract, your friendships, how you have friendships, who you have them with. It changes your career and your money because how you, how you, your mother teaches you how to see the world. And if it was unsafe for you to be with your mother, if you felt unloved and unvalued and, and fearful, that's, you see the world as a fearful place. You see people as fearful, as not being trustworthy. When you heal your mother wound, it transforms. It's like water. 
It is the common thread. Every area of your life changes. I've lost this year almost 20 pounds. I have an amazing partner in my life. I, um, last year, my, uh, well, pre-COVID, my income tripled with one job. Mm. When I learned how my money story was related to my mother wound, Mm -hmm. my friendships have changed. How I communicate with my son, it changes everything. It changes everything because you really don't realize how, you know, how you came up with your mother is, is just the blueprint for how you see life. And when you can change that blueprint, everything in your life changes. Mm-hmm. That's so good. You know, in the back of my head, I keep having this question and I was like, I'm not going to ask it because I know it's not your, your specific expertise, but no. I'm going to take it as a sign as I need to ask. I, I know you talk a lot about the black mother wound. I know I talk all the time about the black mother wound. What about the father wound? As we're talking about how our life is guided by our mother wounds, our father and the part that he may or may not play, may, may or may not have played if we did have a father um, in a heterosexual relationship in our life, where does that come into play? You know what this is say, I say start with the mother because the mother is the first relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. The father is the first man we love. The mother is the first person we love. Mm -hmm. And when you can start with the mother, you can then start to use those tools with the father. And I'm going to say this too, because I think we have more, more vocabulary around healing issues with our fathers because it's so easy to talk bad about black men, you know, it's just, it just is. And some of it is warranted and some of it is not, but I'm going to tell you something I realized when I started to heal and really start to see the relationship with my mother and see my mother, my father was not perfect, but she ruined the relationship I had with him. She mm-hmm. talked bad about him. She planted so many negative seeds about that I just thought I picked up on the on the whole propaganda of, you know, my mother's a she's a a single mother and she doesn't get any help from my father and he don't do shit and A B C D, and then I got older, like when I say the veil was lifted, I was like, I used to live with my dad. I spent every summer to Christmas, you know, my father used to come and come to pick me up, pick me, my brother up on Saturdays um, for, you know, weekends because my parents were divorced. And I, I, I forgot my mother would make us clean the house. This was like when I was in third and fourth grade, clean a whole house, make me clean the whole house spotless before I could go with my father for the weekend. And he would sit out on the hood of his car, smoking cigarettes, waiting he never left. He would just sit there and freaking wait. And when I look back at that, we have to, we do, I'm not saying that we don't have legitimate father wounds, but you're going to have to, if, if your parents were not together and there was contention between them, be able to see your father as he is and not through the eyes of your mother. Because I guarantee you, there are a lot of us who see our father and the world 
through the eyes of our mother. So start with your mother and everything will unravel from there. That is such great advice. And I just want to add real quick to that. I, I relate to that. I had to actively learn how to, to praise my male partners, how to be out openly loving towards them, how to lead with tenderness and kindness instead of um, the walls or aggressions or mind games and all that other stuff, because I didn't really have that template growing up, but also to what you were alluding to before in our culture, um, talking about the dynamics between black men and black women, where we are actually trained on how to put a man in his place and, you know, make him prove his worth and treat him like shit and all this other stuff because of the passed down pain through the generations that we've had to endure. So when we are in a relationship with a healthy person, we can't really be fully present because we don't know how to engage in a healthy way that's not trauma-based. Right. And and we can't engage because there's so much fear. And Mm -hmm. in Black women, a lot of times, the strong Black woman, our fear is then to puff up and fight because we don't want anybody to know we're afraid when that's really what so many of us are suffering from is fear that is what wrote but we can't let anybody see that we're afraid somebody's going to you know take advantage but more this is the other thing i'll add about the relationship with the father if you had a loving present emotionally available mother chances are you're not going to have a really hard father wound because one, she's taught you how to see the situation differently or she's put you in an environment where you can get the love you need from the people that you need to get it from. So if you have a really hard father wound, there's a really good chance you have a mother wound. Even if you like, my mother was there for me every day and she did this for me and she did that for me. That does not mean you cannot have a mother wound. A mother wound is if you have, you don't have autonomy. You don't have emotional and mental autonomy and you feel indebted to your mother. That is a wound. That is not a normal, healthy relationship to feel indebted to someone. And the opposite of that is also not normal. So feeling a lot of distance. So you said at the top of the episode that part of the the relationship that you focus on is the highly critical, um, harsh mother wound in black women. But there's also mothers who may have been emotionally neglectful, um, mothers who um, were sick and so unable to be present, have their own addictions. There's so many ways that wounds can present. Um, So I really appreciate you giving that nuance as well. Yes, thank you so much. Yes, ma'am. Well, this has been such a great conversation. Um, I know that our listeners have learned so much. Before I ask you where people can find you and how they can work with you, is there any other, anything else you would like to share with our audience before we close out? Um, I guess the only thing you know I share is you know just to remind you that you are worth loving, that you're easy to love, that uh, pain don't last always, Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, the work I do is, is, 
you know, the healing work I do for others is really the healing work I'm always on for myself. It's my own journey. Um, and, you know, just to, it's never, and it's never too late to start. It's never too late, too late to start this journey. Love that. Love it all. Thank you so much for being with us, Jennifer, and dropping all of the wisdom that you have shared so generously with us. Can you please let us know where we can find you and also how we can work with you? Okay. Well, you can find me. I'm always on Instagram and uh, it's Black Mother Wound. So that's W-O-U-N-D, not wound like where you carry a child, but like a cut. Black Mother Wound on Instagram. Um, And I also have... um, If you click the link on my bio on Instagram, you can find my free training. I hold a uh, Black Mother Wound monthly healing course. So we're going into March. The end of March will be our third course for the month. And we do active healing in that class from beginning to end. It's such an amazing, sacred, safe healing space where so much transformation happens. I'm just so honored for the women that just continue to show up there. And um, you can also, um, once you get the free training, you get on my mailing list. I have a program that will be launching in May and it's where we're gonna do this healing work as a group. And we're just gonna go through those beginning stages of healing um, and grieving the loss of the mother and how to create a game plan and really going through all the things that I have done and continue to do um, to heal my own mother wound in, in the perspective of different areas of my life and how it shows up. So you can find everything on Instagram. And if you want to email me, um, it's info at blackmotherwound.com. Um, I also offer one-on-one coaching. Sometimes that works better for some people. It really depends on where you are in your journey. Um, so that is amazing too, because we really get a chance to tailor, um, you know, what the program looks like for you. So yeah, that's how you can find me, Black Mother Wound on Instagram. Email me at info at blackmotherwound.com. Thank you so much for sharing all of those resources. And I will try to put this podcast out as soon as possible. So if anyone wants to participate in the May training, um, especially because it sounds like it'll be around Mother's Day, I want people to have access to that. So thank you so much again for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. I loved it. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors.